Hi, friends, and welcome to True Presence for Catholic Moms. This is the show where Catholic moms learn to build an intentional life. I'm your host, Kelsey Pascarell, and today, in honor of Infant Loss Remembrance Month, this October 2023, we're having a conversation with Emily Adams from Metanoia Catholic, who's joining us today to talk about how infant loss affects our sense of identity as Catholic moms. We're diving into some heavy stuff We're talking about grief and miscarriage today. Whether you've experienced loss many years ago or if you're taking those first steps out of the hardest place these days and just kind of peeking out at the world again. Or maybe if you are supporting a friend or loved one through this. If you want some friends to hold your hand and share in this process of healing with you, stay tuned. And I just want to say, if you're in a place where you're not ready for this episode, if the pain is still too raw, that's totally okay. Just bookmark it and save it for another day, whether that's a month or a year or five years from now. Just know you aren't alone, you are loved, and that we're praying for all you mamas of Little Saints this month. Hey there, mama. This is True Presence, the podcast where Catholic moms like you and me learn to be embodied souls. St. Catherine of Siena said, be who you were meant to be, and you will set the world on fire. In the midst of hurry, worry, and social media, we're doing a 180 and focusing on real presence, communion, connection, natural living, and bringing eternity into our hearts and homes. I'm your host, Kelsey, and I'm so glad you're here. Hi, friends. Today, I want to introduce Emily Adams. Emily is a Catholic wife and a mother of 10. She's a resident coach with Metanoia Catholic and is on a mission to help Catholic women rediscover hope and find purpose within the pain after baby loss. So without further ado, let's get started. Emily, can you tell me a little about your family and your story? How many living children do you have? So I have four um, here on earth. So I have a Mm -hmm. nine-year-old little boy I have a six-year-old little girl, a four-year-old little girl, and then their baby, (laughs) who's six months. How many do you have in heaven? I have six babies. So they ranged from six, or sorry, uh, four or five weeks. I had two that were kind of four or five weeks. I had uh, two that were seven and eight weeks. I had a 17-week loss and a 19-week loss. So not in that order either. Um, They were kind of, all of them were kind of random. All came kind of randomly scattered throughout my living children. And um, yeah, none of, we found out no reason as to why any of them happened. They were just, you know, even after testing and doing all the things to try to figure out what was going on everything always came back negative or, you know, there was was nothing to tell us. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so that's part of like, I think my story is that I've had so many losses and yet we've like, we never found out any rhyme or reason for any of them. There was no pattern to them. There was no, you know, um, yeah, I hate that. Like, um, we, when you don't get the answers, we we've had a few losses and didn't get answers, but there's just no closure. Well, and in the beginning, that really, like, I struggled with that a lot. Um, and then as time went on, like, 
you know, I really came to a place of acceptance of just, okay, this is just our story. And this is, you know, where God has called me into this. And like, he's asking me to trust him (laughs) by not giving me these answers. And, you know, can I continue? I actually remember a conversation I had with somebody at work one day, and it was after my third loss, which was the 17 week loss. And she asked me, she was like, do you think you'll ever have any more kids? And I was like, well, God willing, I would hope to have more kids. And she was like, how could you go through this again? How could you like put your heart out there again, just like this? And I was like, even as much pain and suffering that's come from these, it's like worth it every single time. It's worth it to like bring this soul into being and to love them and like the excitement that comes with each one of them. And is it hard to let them go? Absolutely. But it's worth it every single time. And so, you know, there have been times where my husband and I, we were like, you know, had to have the, like, are we ready to like put that out there again? And, and, um, you know, I mean, we were always ready to conceive at any moment, but be more intentional about it. And, um, you know, there were times where we were like, no, actually my heart needs a little bit more healing or my body needs a little bit more healing. And, that's okay. And we're going to just take it to the next month or, you know, we weighed it and it was a conversation we had, um, you know, constantly, although it was a very hard conversation to keep having, because we always knew this was always a possibility. It was always like, there's always a chance, you know, like you never, you never really get that innocence back. Well, even my first pregnancy was a loss. So Mm, my very first one was a loss. And so it was, um, that innocence, like you said, was almost taken from me from the very get-go. My mother, the innocence of motherhood and the joy and all of those things, you know, completely turned around in an instant. And all the joy and anticipation we had going into that first pregnancy um, quickly changed (laughs) the moment that we started, that I started miscarrying. And I was like eight weeks along and I actually had no idea that that was even a possibility. And I come from like a, um, my mom's one of nine. I have a lot of aunts and uncles, a lot of cousins and, um, not one person did I know had ever had a loss. And so we, so it was like, I had no idea who to turn to or any of that. And I felt very alone. Um, and, but I did speak about it. And that opened the door to hearing about other people, even within my family who had never like spoken it before. I I had the same experience. Like I felt at first so alone because I just, I didn't know how many women were going Mm -hmm. through this, but it was actually only when someone else shared with me about their loss. They actually, they had, um, their son was stillborn. Mm. And so they, they, in a way had this very public loss, whereas I think a lot of early miscarriages are very private, but Mm -hmm. when they were so open about their healing process and their grief, I I saw all these other families coming out of the woodwork and talking with them. And it was the first time I felt like I could talk about my losses and suddenly started hearing about the losses of people in my family and friends that I'd never known. And I think there's this really weird silence Mm-hmm. around this topic that that just feels so 
well, it's not, it doesn't need to be there. It's what, what was your experience with that? Yeah. Well, and what's really interesting. So when I, we got married, we've been married 10 years, got married. And a couple months later, I had a girl's trip with some people that I had gone to college with my roommates and, um, we, we got together for like a long weekend. And when they were dropping me off at the airport, someone, they were talking about when they, they were predicting when I was going to get pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, great. <laughs> and, and one of them said, um, well, when would you share with us if, if you got pregnant? And I said, I don't know, like probably around the 13 week mark. And that when you're supposed to tell, you know, tell people like, you're not supposed to say anything beforehand. Right. There's this cultural understanding of that. Yeah. And, and one of them, and it was really strange because there was three girls, not one of them had ever had a loss, but this one asked, like, just very randomly asked, well, what if you have a miscarriage? Would you tell us then? And I was like, yeah, yes, I'll tell you. Like, it kind of took me back. Like, why are you even asking me this question? Like, why would you ask me this? And I honestly think that was God preparing me for how he wanted me to move forward. Like when it did happen. And so when it was happening, that conversation came back to my mind and it was like, no, you, you were going to tell people about this. Like you were going to not stay silent. And, and I haven't, I haven't, like, I have shared our story with people. We, I started like a little ministry here in Nashville, um, where we had masses for moms who've gone through losses, um, like community masses where we got to celebrate their babies' lives. And, you know, even there, like some of these women had never, like you said, shared ever that they had had a loss. We had a woman come one time, she was probably close to 80, if not over 80. And she had shared, um, that she lost twins and she had never shared that with any, her daughter was with her. And she was like, she's never said their names out loud. I've never heard her speak her name. And they were in that, that mess. She was able to like, actually speak and, and tell, say her baby's names. And it was just so powerful to see like the importance of that, the importance to say like, you know, this motherhood is different. This type of motherhood is different, but it is valid. And it's, and it's important to like share this part of motherhood too, because you never know who the next person is going to be. And you know, I felt alone because I didn't know anybody, but like, I don't want, if, if I were to speak and they were to go through it and they, and they hadn't gone through it beforehand, they at least would know one person who had been, you know, had gone before them and they could at least reach out if they needed to reach out or even just like having the understanding of like, I'm not alone in this. I do know a person that has gone through this before. And she has like, survived or she has made it or she, you know, like she is having a, she still has a joyful life, even though it hurts right now. And I think that that's really important. That's an important message. I think that needs to be out there is that even though it is painful and it's hard and, but we are meant to share that with other people. We're meant to share our sufferings in community with one another. 
So I have, I've tried to do that. Um, and even, like I said, like, even within my own family, just being, like being the first person to speak gave permission to other people to speak. And it was really healing. I mean, even my grandmother had shared that she had five losses and had never shared that with any of, of her children. And it was, you know, on her deathbed. And it was just this like beautiful moment of like, oh, you get to go meet your children now. Like you've been taking care of these and now you get to go enjoy the ones that, you know, miss you missed up for so long. And it was like, I remember telling her that and this like joy came over her face. Like I hadn't thought about that in so long, <laughs> you know, like she hadn't thought about that in forever. And I, I was just like, you get to go celebrate with them now. <laughs> I think one of the most beautiful and important parts about this, just this openness is also just the acknowledgement of our children and Mm -hmm. their personhood and their existence. Because like, if you think about it, when we have a child who was born and they Mm -hmm. pass away for whatever reason, as a community, we come together Mm -hmm. and we mourn together and we acknowledge their life and their personhood and the loss. And I feel like that's something that we just don't have the same kind of relationship when it comes to miscarriage and early loss. And it can be so painful. At least it was for me. It just felt like the world didn't know my children had existed. Mm-hmm. And that I felt like I was the only one or me and my husband sometimes. And I'm not saying like nobody would ever acknowledge, but it just, it wasn't quite the same as yeah. if we had done a proper funeral or something. Um, and my husband and I, we actually didn't know about all the options for what there were, for what you could do. Um, but it, it was, that was, I think one of the hardest parts was just that that lack of acknowledgement of their existence. I felt like I had to just be the one who always was clinging and remembering or else they'd be forgotten. Like they hadn't existed. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I-, I think that's a super common, common thing. Like I grew up Catholic and I didn't know as, as like silly as that might even, I mean, I feel silly saying it at least like, because it's not, it was not talked about. Like, I didn't know what we were supposed to do. I didn't know you could have a proper funeral until we had my 17 week loss. I didn't know if with our first uh, loss, like I didn't know that you could find the baby because our doctor had told me that I would just have a heavy period. And it was devastating because there wasn't, like you said, there's not closure. There's, there's, there's a lot of things that are, um, that are just kind of out of order when you, when you don't, uh, get those opportunities. And I didn't know how to proceed forward. I didn't know how to invite people into that pain. Um, because I, I just, I had no idea. And so I like, (laughs) I, kind of fumbled my way through the first couple of losses. And, um, but after my 17 week loss, I was like, we're having a funeral. We are like, by that point I had learned more and I was like, we're having a funeral. We're inviting our friends. And, um, 
I was like, I don't know if anybody will show up, but we're going to invite them. And we probably had a hundred people show up at his, at his funeral. And it it was beautiful to see. And, and they were people of all faiths. They were people that worked with me. They were people that worked with my husband. They were our family members. We had family members drive in from, you know, a couple hours out and they all just like showed up for us that day. And it really was a celebration. And, and it was, it brought a lot of closure and peace, even with my previous miscarriages. Cause it was like, oh, finally, like I get, I get to have a place where this, where I can come see them or just even like the act, like it was like, um, like it was something I could do as their mother for them. Whereas before yes. I felt really helpless. Yes. I know exactly what you mean. I had, um, there was a local church near us, um, that when I was, I was really deep in the grief process and feeling really alone and they actually put on a service. It was a local Catholic church, um, that was a celebration of life Mm -hmm. for children who had been lost to infant loss, miscarriage and abortion. And it was the first opportunity I think I really had to grieve in a way that had that kind of finality, that closure. And what they did was they created these certificates for mm-hmm. everyone. It's just a simple thing, but it was just a little thing where you could write your child's name mm-hmm. on each one. And we hadn't really named all of our kids because some of them had been lost. So, you know, early that we didn't know if they were boys or girls, but um, it just got me thinking about how important and how helpful it would be to have names. So my husband and I, we, we chose names mm. for our children. And I remember going into that service and a lot of women were there. They were sharing their story. And I just, I started crying and I didn't stop crying for like six hours or something. And after that, <laughs> I felt so much lighter. It was like all of that had been pent up. And finally there was an opportunity to just just remember them and honor them and love them and say you were here you were real and we'll see you again and i think about that now sometimes i have dreams about my kids in heaven i just i know that it's going to be so amazing to have the whole family together again one day oh, yes that's so beautiful yeah the we did a mass here uh, several friends and a Several friends and I put together a mass here in Nashville, and it sounds very similar to what you went to. And it, and um, as we put it together, we actually were really intentional about like everything that we did. We tried to take every touch point of the service and the things that we did afterwards and really help the women to, to feel seen, to, to know that they weren't alone, like we're like, if you walk out of here, we like that our main goal is for you to know that like, you're not alone in this. And then the second thing was to make sure that we, that they knew that like their babies mattered. And so we specifically gave time for them to say their names out loud. Um, they wrote their names on these little tags and we had candles. And so we had people actually that couldn't come submit can like submit names and we tagged these candles and there's probably 200 candles on there. And each one of them was tagged with a baby, baby's name. 
And it was just this beautiful, like visual of like, this is just a taste of what heaven is going to look like with all of these little souls up there. Um, which I thought was just so cool. And, you know, every time I meet a new mom that has a baby in heaven, an image comes to mind to me and it's, I see all these children playing, um, but they're in heaven and it's like, oh, my, my kids up there, they get a, a brand new friend and there's a new friend for them to play with up there. And, you know, of course I would love to have them here playing with me, but it's, it's a, it, I find it very consoling to be able to imagine them there that way. That's it's, it can be really powerful. <clears throat> so thank you for sharing your, your image of the dreams that you have of your kids. It, it's very healing. It really, I think that's been a big part of my process in just, I remember um, just remember uh, one of the things I kept thinking was my children have died. My children have died. And I was just telling my husband about how that was just like echoing through my heart and my head. And he said one day to me, he goes, that's a lie. Your children are alive. Our kids are alive. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And we have to remember that. We do have to remember that this is so, this is temporary. This is temporary. Emily, I, I want to ask you because one of the things that you had mentioned was that you also had a journey with your own identity as a mom um, or just as a Catholic with infant loss. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So I remember after it was after my first loss, um, I it started, I started to struggle with this like idea of motherhood and all of these, like all of the things that I envisioned motherhood to be, (laughs) um, kind of quickly came crashing down around me. And then I had my son and my living son. And, um, after having him, I, I honestly, I think I started to have this identity crisis. Like I didn't really know who I was because I had been fighting off and battling like all these lies um, that were brought to the surface from my miscarriage prior to him. And then as the miscarriages and baby losses kept occurring, you know, there were certain things that I would become really strong in. And um, I like recognized like God was calling me into these like deeper deep, deep trusts with him. Um, but I also like the things that were bubbling to the surface was, it was a lot around my identity as a woman. And there was a lot of, um, like negativity in the way that I was seeing myself that I wasn't a good enough wife because my body wasn't capable of producing children like other wives. I wasn't a good mother because I was always grieving. Like I always seemed to be sad. I wasn't, um, you know, my body was broken. Like I would talk about, you know, uh, like how I looked at myself was just completely distorted um, because I saw myself as broken and not good enough, like all of these lies. And over the last several years of me really entering into some 
deeper healing and um, really working towards correcting those um, those lies and those beliefs and kind of unearthing them and looking at them um, from a more objective place and not just accepting them as truth. I realized that those lies had always been present in my life. Like even looking back into childhood, seeing where like, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not perfect, or I've got to do this to like, try to like, you know, win somebody over or to be seen a certain way or, you know, comparing my looks to somebody else or whatever. And so what I realized was through my losses, like they kind of had gone dormant. Like I had been able to like tame them to a certain level. But when I experienced my first loss, it was like that little door was like opened and it just like kept getting open. And those things were bubbling up to the surface. And I once described this to somebody as like, you know, they've always been there, but it was like somebody was taking a magnifying glass and just like holding it over the top of it and was not letting up. Like I couldn't run from it anymore. It was just like completely magnified and it was affecting, you know, all, all relationships, the way that I interacted with my husband. Cause I saw myself not worthy of him. And I, the way I interacted with my kids, like I didn't think that I was a good enough mom because like X, Y, and Z, you know, I like fill in the blank. And, um, and so I really struggled with that until I actually was like, you know what, like, what if I wasn't afraid of looking at these things and really deciding, like, is this truthful? Is, you know, even if it seems like I have a lot of evidence to show that this is like factual, right? But is it really like, could something else be different here? And when I started to do that, I started to really uncover what those lies were that maybe some of them were super obvious, some of them weren't. And being able to then like hold them up actually to Christ's truth and say like, okay, is this, is this really true? And inviting him in and allowing him to really like transform my mind, my spirit, everything around how I was looking at my loss. And instead of seeing it as this cross that was like so painful and just was like so heavy all the time. And like, I had moments of reprieve, which is kind of how I'd been living it. Right. To a place where I was like, no, actually like one, this cross is an invitation to meet him and to come to him. And, but also like, he doesn't want me to just carry it by myself or maybe he doesn't even want me to carry it at all. He just wants me to bring it to him so that he can take it. And then I can just be with him as he like bears kind of the brunt of the suffering. And when I started to kind of really reshape the way I was looking at these things and bringing it to him intentionally and saying like, this is really painful. Can you help me? And him taking, he like would literally take it from me. And then it was like, such a light, like there was a lightness, that heaviness started to just kind of fall by the wayside. And I realized like, this is a lot, this is a way different uh, way to grieve 
this is a, like, we're not meant to, um, beat ourselves up all the time, (laughs) even though people will say like, oh yeah, I have like negative self-talk. It's like, no, we're not supposed to stay in that place. Like it might happen, but you know, our Lord doesn't want us to continue that way. He doesn't want us for that to be like, you know, just accepted as like being okay. He wants us to come to him so he can help us through that. You're so right. You're so right. And I think a lot of us have struggled with, you know, a lot of those same thoughts. Like I'm, I'm so broken. There's something wrong with me. I'm, I'm not cut out for this or, you know, this, I I shouldn't have ever even attempted this whole motherhood thing. Mm -hmm. What, what kinds of ways did you see the Lord rebuilding your self-image? Yeah. So, um, I really started to um, go into Ignatian prayer, like using my imagination to really meet him and question those things. Like, you know, actually write out like the thoughts that were, (laughs) that were in my brain, all of these like negative things. And I would literally like take, like in my imagination, it was like, I was taking them individually and I would hand that to him And we would have a conversation about it and we would talk about it. And I would tell him all of the things that I thought about it. (laughs) And then I would ask him, Lord, what do you think about this? (laughs) Like, this is why I've been struggling with this. Can you shed me? Can you shed your truth and your light onto this like specific thought or this specific emotion that I might be feeling? And we would just have this conversation but it was in my imagination. So I would be visualizing him there with me in this like safe place. And, you know, at the end of it, it was a lot easier for me to say, okay, I can leave this here with you. How do you want me to see myself? That's a question I ask a lot um, of myself, but also, you know, I work with women. I'm a Catholic coach and I work with women who've gone through loss. I coach all kinds of people, but that's a question I often ask them during our sessions is, you know, when we're struggling with something, we'll invite Jesus into it. And I'll ask them, ask him how he sees you in this moment or ask him what his truth is. And I had never done that before. Like I knew that there were certain truths that were just universal truths. And, and, but I'd never actually like tried to have a conversation with him about it. And I realized that was because I was afraid for a long time of what he was going to say. I was afraid he was going to ask me to experience more pain and more suffering and just like, kind of like be dragging my heels. And I didn't want to hear it. And it was better if I just like accepted it when it came, but I didn't realize like, the damage that that caused, because it created this wall that I was building up with him and in going into my imagination and being able to actually visualize him in front of me and be able to have this conversation and ask him these things point blank, like ask him about the lies. It allowed me, it allowed those walls to kind of come down and it gave me courage to then say, okay, Lord, if I'm not broken, if we've kind of established that that's a lie, 
and, and it's not truthful and it's not from you. It's from the enemy. Then what do you say about my body? Or what do you say about my motherhood? What do you say about me being (laughs) Dave's wife? Knowing all of these things, like knowing all of this evidence that I might present to you, what do you say? You know, who do you say that I am? And it's just, it's powerful to just allow yourself to hear his truth be spoken over you. And, you know, it was, of course, it was, you're my beloved daughter. Yes. Not broken. Like you, I've called you here for this unique, it's a unique calling to have children in heaven. It's a unique motherhood. And, and I'm asking you to do that. And it doesn't mean that you're broken. And I was like, oh, (laughs) like, I didn't think about it like that. And, and so it then put me into this place of curiosity of, oh, well, if this is how he sees me, you know, do I have even evidence that that could possibly be true? And then I would go search for it. And then we'd have more conversations about it. And it was just really cool because he would take these lies and we'd be able to, he'd be able to transform them into these truths that I could then stand on a more solid foundation. It was, it was really interesting because like, it was like we were stripping down all the way down to the bones. Almost at times it even felt like we were digging out the the foundation that had been there and we were relaying it in places. And then from there we could build, build upon that. And so it made me, you know, not afraid when certain things would happen, when I would feel certain emotions that were really strong. Like if grief kind of came out of nowhere, cause that's what happens after you lose a baby, like grief will kind of hit you in these waves. And it made me not afraid to face those things. And when he was calling me into deeper trust, you know, there was a period of time after our last loss, um, which there was two years where we, um, were completely infertile up to that point. If like, we decided we wanted to get, like, we were ready to have a baby and we were like, okay, let's do it. It would like happen. There was two, two years where like, I was, I was, um, having an ovulatory cycles and there was no explanation for it. And I just was like, okay, Lord, like, I think that you're just wanting me to focus on like rebuilding this foundation and healing and, and all those things. And we did. And then I got pregnant kind of miraculously and, um, last May and, uh, about a year ago and or a little over a year ago. And, um, and I was like, okay, like we are gonna, like, I know that like this pregnancy is going to be, it could be challenging in the sense that in my prior pregnancies, there was a lot of fear at times, you know, um, because loss was always a part of the (laughs) equation. And, um, I just kept hearing this voice ask me, can you trust me with this? And I would say, yes, I can trust you. And like, if I felt any like ounce of fear, it would just like kind of dissipate. And at 13 weeks, 
we went in, I went in for just a regular appointment. They couldn't find the baby's heartbeat on the Doppler. And instead of having that panic feeling, I heard that voice and it was, can you trust me? Everything's going to be fine, but can you trust me with this? And I was like, yes, I can. And I never like felt fear in that moment. And my doctor was a little panicked knowing my history. And he was like, we're going to go get an ultrasound right now. And we went back there and sure enough, there was my daughter's like heart flickering around and she was moving like crazy. And, um, and I was like, okay, like we, I can trust him. And when I hit 26 weeks, um, they diagnosed me with placenta accreta. And, um, and again, I heard that voice. Can you trust me with this? And this, this was like, this is going to be a real big trust because it involves, um, the end of like my, of my fertility years, because I I was going to need a hysterectomy at the end of, or after delivery, um, just to keep me alive. And I just kept like every day, like we would, I would just keep going back to him and rebuild, like we would build upon the trust that I had already like established with him. And I was like, okay, here's another day that I get to trust you. Here's another day where I get to surrender it all to you. And so those scary moments became opportunities instead of seeing them as like, oh, this is a scary moment I'm experiencing now. It became an opportunity of, okay, how can I trust him with this too? How can I trust him with this? And, you know, the worst of the worst, you know, if it happens, like I can still trust him um, because we have been through all of the lies. We've kind of rooted out all of those things and, and we've rebuilt that trust. We've teared down those walls that um, was preventing me from being able to do that before. <laughs> Emily, this is possibly one of the most amazing discussions I've ever had on this topic. This is so beautiful. And you were so right. You have to, you have to dig through and reconnect with the Lord's truth in all this. And I I think so often childbirth, you know, the Bible says specifically about women that we will be saved through childbearing. And I think part of it is this too, because this is this process that the Lord works in our hearts in whatever form it takes for all our motherhood journeys, Mm -hmm. this process of surrender and trust and pain and suffering, because all childbearing, all child raising, all child loss has all these different degrees of that suffering. And all of them are just custom made with the Lord's plan for rebuilding us. Like you were saying, stripping off all of those lies and false self-image and false understanding of his love for us and his nature that because I totally know what you were saying when you said sometimes it would be hard to come to him in prayer because we're afraid, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're afraid of, will we suffer more? We're afraid of maybe he doesn't really love me as much as the Bible says he does. Mm-hmm. His goodness is for only for everybody else, right? <laughs> like right. that was a big right. lie that I- We could profess that, but do we really yeah. do we really take that? Yeah. and internalize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, this whole process, this really is like, this is walking on water in so many ways, right? 
We have yeah. to step out in faith. And yeah, absolutely. And just I think too, like knowing, okay, there are gonna be times where I'm gonna fumble. <laughs> like, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean he's gone anywhere. It just means that like maybe I had a little bit of doubt. And that just means that there's something else that I need to work through and that I need to bring to him. And, and before, like, you know, that would be a lot of fear or maybe even shame that like, I haven't been able to figure, you know, like (laughs) completely strip myself of like this lie or this understanding, or I'm holding on to something that I think is like really protective of me, but it's really not helping me at all. And, and what I realized was like, I don't have to fear those things. Like I, I can, I can face those things head on just whenever they show up and I don't have to judge it. And it's okay if it makes me uncomfortable and it's okay if like, you know, it, 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 like whatever it is that it comes up, but it's, it's like, okay, I get to choose what I want to do to move forward. And do I want to feel like I have to do that by myself? Cause I lived that life for a long time. I mean, there was at least seven years of like me trying to figure out how to grieve by myself. And then it was like, no, I don't have to do that. I get to choose how I want to, to grieve, how I want to see myself after loss. I remember actually it was after my son, Luke, who was born at 19 weeks. And I remember sitting around the table with some friends and, um, and it wasn't long after that had happened, like after the funeral and all those things. And we, it was just like a girl's night. And I can't remember what the question was that someone asked, but I just said, I, I feel bad that I am always asking you guys to hold me up. And that was really hard for me to like admit. <laughs> um, but I did, I felt really guilty that I was like, I saw myself as like this person who like was always the sad one, (laughs) or I was the one who had all these babies that had died. And that was somehow this like negative thing because it like brought the energy down in the room or something. At least that's how I saw it. And I remember one of my friends said to me, she looked at me, she like turned (laughs) her chair towards me and she was like, don't you ever apologize for asking for like letting us in like this? Like, it's an honor to walk with you. And it was then that I realized like how often I negatively was seeing my, my losses, how negatively I saw myself. And I was just like, I can't keep like, this is not healthy for me to do this. And like, there has to be a different way. Um, And I, and I ultimately, like, I think that's one of my missions that God has like, put me on is to show women that you don't have to be afraid of pain. You don't have to be afraid of grief, that it's this opportunity and that no matter where you are on your, your healing journey, whether it, you just started because you just went through a loss or it's been 30 years since it's happened or longer that that our Lord has been with you this whole time 
and that he's just like waiting for you to see that he's there and to ask him and invite him in and, and ask for his healing in these intentional ways that down to the like very specific thoughts that you're having, that it's not going to be a, like, you know, he's just not just going to wash everything away, but he intentionally wants to heal each and every individual single one of them by themselves separately so that you can see that transformation, that you can build that, rebuild that trust with him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, um, yeah, I just think that it's so important that women understand that that is an option for them, because I think for so long, I believe, I didn't believe that it was, I just believed that I had to accept what was going on and just like deal with like the pain and just kind of like be uncomfortable all the time. And, you know, our Lord has showed me, you know, personally, um, that it doesn't have to be that way that when I invite him in and when others can invite him in that, yeah, that deep, deep healing can happen on almost on like a molecular level. (laughs) No, I think you're right. I think you're right. And Emily, it's just so obvious to me how the Lord is working through you and through your story. Please tell us if people want to work with you, how can Mm -hmm. they find you? What kind of ways can they work with you? Yeah. So I am a Catholic coach with Metanoia Catholic. Um, So if you want to work with me, if you go to their website, you can connect with me there um, under their one or under their coaching tab. It says one-to-one coaching. If you click on that, you can set up a discovery call with me. Um, You can also find me on Instagram at the little souls is my handle. Um, I, I love just connecting with other moms that have been through loss. Thank you for your vulnerability and your wisdom and just the, the hope and faith that you have shown. All right, friends, if you like this episode, one of the ways that we can get more awesome guests on this show is if you leave a review. So scroll to the bottom of this episode where the reviews are and hit those stars and then write me a little message about what your favorite episode was. I promise to read every single review and keep trying to get you the guests and information that helps you through this mission of motherhood.